to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Hey folks, welcome to another episode on podcast Freshly Forever. Today I'm here with Anastasia Eden. She is big into veganism and she's a vegan retreat chef and also runs online vegan courses. She's a book author and she has done everything right about vegan and veganism. So it's my pleasure to welcome Anastasia to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi, bye. <laughs> so Anastasia, how did your introduction to vegan eating and lifestyle begin? Okay, well, that I actually went vegan um, about 27 years ago. And um, I didn't really know, I didn't really know anything about being vegan at the time. I didn't know any other vegans. Mm-hmm. And um, I so, so when I started, I, I was just kind of winging it. What, what happened was I'd always felt compassion towards animals. Like, you know, I read about animals. I was always drawn to animals, but I hadn't quite joined all the dots. Uh-huh. And, um, I I felt this deep compassion for love for sentient beings and all of this. But when when I was twenty years old, um, I was living in Germany at the time, just doing my thing over there, mm-hmm. and I kind of I'd I'd had enough of I'd pretty much had enough of the world. I didn't kind of get it. I didn't get where I fit into the world. Um, I didn't understand why everyone couldn't just love each other. And I, I didn't understand why there was, you know, there's quite a lot of mistreatment of the planet, of, you know, Mother Earth and animals and things like that. So I didn't really kind of, no, I didn't, you know, I, I felt a lot of pain and suffering going on. So I, when I was 20 years old, I kind of had enough of all that. And um, I actually went vegan because I had a really profound spiritual awakening. Um, uh-huh. So basically, I was, I'd was i had enough of the world because um, I, I was 20. And, you know, like it would trying to figure out your place in the world. And um, I, yeah, I had this really big spiritual experience and I wasn't following any spiritual practice. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to have any experience, but I just kind of had enough of what was going on in the world. And I basically collapsed on my bed and I had this ultimate, Mm -hmm. Which, you know, sounds quite serious, but um, what happened in that moment was I had this ultimate moment of surrender. And it's like that, you know, that all the boundaries, the world seemed to fall away. And I felt this incredible experience of interconnectivity, of unity consciousness. And I felt like so much love and compassion. I was flooded with light. And I'm not sure how long this experience went on for but it changed mm-hmm. absolutely everything for me because it kind of made it meant that I just joined all the dots together and in that moment of surrender and letting go I realized that I couldn't knowingly cause harm to any other sense mm-hmm. in life not consciously um and then I literally went vegan <laughs> Mm-hmm. with that experience so it wasn't like I knew a whole bunch of people it wasn't like I'd been influenced I just I just felt such a depth of compassion so I didn't really have a frame of reference for it and I just I, I kind of made the connection with dairy I, I was already vegetarian because it's kind of mm-hmm. e- it's easy to make that connection you know we don't want to cause harm to animals so um, it's easy to kind of get the vegetarian connection, but then I kind of realized, wow, there's there's all these other layers to it. So um, yeah, so I literally went vegan after this really profound spiritual experience where I was just flooded uh-huh. with so much love and compassion. And I, you know, I went vegan overnight, and that was about 27 years ago. And I never, I never looked back since then. Oh, okay. <laughs> So uh, that's what prompted you to consider veganism and you completely turned vegan. 
how do you think being vegan has transformed you as a person? Well, I feel like, you know, it's a really good question. Um, I, you know, I, I was always kind of seeking this sense of purpose, um, you know, from quite a young age. And um, it kind of going vegan it's meant that I'm just I'm, I'm I feel so connected I feel so connected with sentient life I feel like my heart mm-hmm. is wide open I feel compassion I feel love and I feel like it really inspires me just to keep being the best the best version mm-hmm. of myself that I can be and you know inspires me to serve my purpose which is really just to be me <laughs> to be the best version of me that I can be and that just so mm-hmm. happens to be that you know I'm good at making food and um, you know I can help inspire the world in that way as well so mm-hmm. yeah okay and uh, that's like a fascinating story so as I hear it it was all just you feeling the need to do it, like somewhat of an awakening, if you will. And there was zero external influence, you said. Yeah, it, literally. I mean, it was it, 27 years ago, it was quite different um, in terms of the vegan movement. That, that I didn't know mm-hmm. anyone else who was vegan. I, I met people. Um, after mm-hmm. that but it, um, yeah so it was just it, it was deep spiritual experience that there's uh, there's many other reasons that I'm vegan to this day but the original mm-hmm. the original kind of impulse the original inspiration was just it's like you know it's just like on my path it was like it was meant to be mm-hmm. um, yeah and when I I, I think well, that this, sorry this happened in Germany you said yeah, I was, you know, I'm busy on my path trying to figure out what on earth I was meant to do with my life. So uh, when I was 20, I was, um, I, I was a nanny living with a Canadian mm-hmm. family in Germany. And um, it was quite an odd place to go vegan, actually, because it wasn't very vegan friendly <laughs> where, where mm-hmm. I lived. That worst culture and all of that, right? That's probably what the Germans eat a lot. Is that one of the famous? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Big bits of meat. They love their meat and stuff like that. Well, not not everyone, because actually I think now Germany has a huge vegan movement. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, 27 years ago, it was, it was, it was a kind of different place. So, but I just felt like, well... It wasn't even a question for me back then. And I think that would intimidate a lot of people um, if they didn't have a frame of reference for it, if they didn't have a support network, if they couldn't go to the shop and find, you know, a whole loads of different choices or they couldn't eat out. Because these days Mm -hmm. you can go into the shop and there's so much available and there was hardly anything at all available there. And and if you went to eat out at a restaurant or cafe, it was very, very difficult. Certainly in in Europe it was. It might, might, in other countries, you know. Oh, I can relate to that because even here in the States, um, I moved from India 23 years ago and uh, I was very young and uh, I was in my um, first job there and then um, I moved from home on to another city within the same state and then I was there in that job from where I happened to come here to the States and uh, when we first came having been vegetarian all my life it just wasn't the easiest option to find anything that you wanted, if and when wow. you to eat out. So I can completely relate to that. But now, like you said, all the stores, all the uh, shops, even here, you know, the grocery stores, everything, online shopping, everything has so much of vegan influence and uh, right from, you know, vegan leather bags, you know, like you can see everything vegan. And so there's just yeah. so much emphasis on it now than it was in the past. And that's just interesting. Uh, were you always a retreat chef, um, Anastasia, or how did that journey begin? Um, no, I wasn't always a retreat chef. 
But what happened was because there was there weren't any options available when I first went vegan, and um, I, you know if I went to a shop, I couldn't really find much to eat, or if I went to a restaurant, it was very mm-hmm. difficult. So I decided that if I want to eat good food, I'm going to have to develop it myself so oh. so so I you know I started just playing in my kitchen and I don't know why um but I just started making this really really good food so I almost felt like there were like little angels around me because you know stuff just seemed to magically happen a lot of it was intuitive I I, I start to feel how, you know how do these ingredients want to play with each other and you know and I just mm-hmm. would make really really good foods and um which so you started getting more creative absolutely so I, I kind of inadvertently became a recipe developer just at home just by playing and then um so I, I wasn't a retreat chef I wasn't even trained formally in cooking my my mother was a really really good cook um so she mm-hmm. had passed she passed on that passion for for making food but what happened was um a few years down the line I met a guy and we fell in love and um he was running he'd started to run spiritual retreats doing meditation and things like that and mm-hmm. we um we started running retreats together we needed mm-hmm. they started getting a little bit they started off really small started off getting a little bit bigger we needed food I was good at making food so I just naturally mm-hmm. started making food on the retreats and then um you know we we, we we started doing more retreats we started going abroad with retreats so I, I, I started off small and just got this first-hand experience and I, I just basically learned on the job and um, it was kind of natural and sort of effortless to me for some reason so it just felt like oh this is what this is what I've been put, mm-hmm. put on earth to do so I just sort of did it we, we've actually parted now so um, I work privately as I get hired by all sorts of people to do retreats um, in different places so yeah mm-hmm. I've just I've just evolved that over the years. Okay how far globally do you uh, do all this like how far is your reach do you do it in the periphery of Europe or do you just go elsewhere as well? I have, I've worked in the, the US in um, on the West Coast. Um, I've worked in Florida. I've worked in Vancouver, Vancouver mm-hmm. Islands. And I've worked in, I, I've got a particular thing about Sweden. I've got a particularly good connection there. And I've done various European mm-hmm. countries. At the moment, I'm actually just working in the UK because I'm, um, travels a little bit restricted at the moment and Mm -hmm. actually so are retreats so (laughs) that's been a bit of a that's been a bit of a thing but yes (laughs) okay so what what would you say are some of the key elements in putting together a retreat um so uh, as a retreat chef on retreat because I actually run retreats which is a different thing, and I work as a chef on other people's retreats. So if if I if I think about making food on retreats, that I mean for me it's really important that the guests who may who come from all sorts of different backgrounds, they're used to eating. Not everyone's used to eating super healthy food. You know, it could be that they, they could just be used to eating anything I want people to have a really good experience I want them to feel satisfied I want I want it to taste good I want it to look good I want them like after two or three days on retreat it's very very common that people will come up to me and say wow I don't know food could make you feel that good I feel so light and I feel vibrant and I feel energized I haven't felt like this in a long time so like for me putting a retreat together is all about how I can help people to have a really good and positive experience with food um so yeah I develop I develop my menu based on what I know works after having you know served people for many many years Uh and especially personally being vegan for 27 years absolutely so I'm a little you know I if I like stuff then um it you know I (laughs) I, 
if I like it, it tends to kind of weave its way in there as well. But I do do tend to, I notice what people like. And I, you know, I, 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 you know, there's consistently people will go for the same sorts of things and people want to feel nurtured and they want to feel, you know, they want to feel good when they eat. It's actually a very, it's such a joy. It's such a pleasure to to be able to serve people oh, in that way. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you said it really nicely when you said nurtured, you know. I can I can imagine. Uh, it's all like, you know, you just, one, it's pleasing to the palate. Second, you know, you just want to feel loved. You know, you just want to feel like, you know, you have, uh, what shall I say, you have sort of uh, brought your... Uh, guess with you in terms of how you have connected with them right how you make them feel and and food no wonder is the biggest connection between human beings you know one if one can feel that okay hey you know like they say uh, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach yes. but I, guess <laughs> I think that holds good and you eat with your eyes first and, you know, like it's it's so nourishing. It's so satisfying, you know, when you try something different and you really like it, especially when it begins with skepticism, but then you, you Absolutely. go on love it. Yeah, it's like when people, so people have been doing their workshops on retreat, whether it's yoga or whether it's something else, I, I want them to kind of open that door and, you know, for the aromas to kind of flood the room and for, you know, for there to be lots of vibrant colours, you know, just, just so they start to taste the food before they've even got near the dining table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, and- Sort sort of it's like a sense of belonging, if you will. Mm. And I think that's what you have uh, succeeded in, uh, you know, achieving or rather like succeeded in uh, bringing together those elements, you know, because we talked about the elements involved in putting together like, you know, a nice retreat and being a retreat chef. So help me understand here, having talked about how your guests feel and what feedback they give you, like on a um, very high level, we have touched upon that. How challenging is it, Anastasia, then uh, to come up with a vegan retreat versus, say, an all-you-can-eat buffet, because that's what people are so used to when they go to, say, any resort or when they get away, right? So, and I guess that's something that makes one look forward to when they want to get away yes so how challenging is it and when you have to come up with a vegan retreat well to to start with let me say I do do a vegan all you can eat buffet so that's actually what I do so I want because everyone is drawn to something different I like to have like this gorgeous medley of different options so that people can have as much or as little of what they want and the the problem is usually it tastes too good (laughs) So Mm -hmm. so so I do actually have to make more and people often say wow I don't normally eat this much but it tastes so good that I have to come back for more so so I think the challenge um the, the, the challenges for me because I feel like it's part of my purpose I feel like it kind like it's so intuitive and natural for me that I t- you know it's difficult for me to think in a general sense of what the challenges are and because the way my mind works I, I don't see things as a challenge I see things as kind of an adventurous opportunity to you know to to just produce something so when it comes to making vegan food it's not a challenge and the the sort of challenges that I might face is if someone gives me a huge list of allergies (laughs) 
um, or if I work abroad, um, that comes with different challenges because I have to turn up in a foreign country, use different currency. There might be different foods in season. There might be foods that I have in abundance that just happen to be super expensive in another country. So I um, and and going abroad, I have to ground myself and just get the lay of the land and feel that out. So that that that's where my challenges tend to be. But I, I kind of embrace it. I embrace it because I see it all as an adventure. So um, to me, I don't, you know, challenge, I'm like, challenge, yeah, bring it on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, so I believe you also try to do things gluten-free, correct? So what made you feel the need to address the gluten-free eating? Well, I I actually decided to go gluten-free in 2015 because I, I was kind of experimenting myself. I was on a kind of low-gluten diet, so I ate spelt. I didn't eat a lot of wheat or anything like that, but I kind of felt like quite a lot of brain fog. So I decided to go gluten-free myself, and after mm-hmm. that, it just inspired me to do a whole new book worth of recipes um that were gluten-free and vegan I wanted them to be just as delicious just as nutritious and then so I started just weaving them into retreats as well and then loads of people I lost count of the number of people that said to me that they felt better when they eat they, they eat gluten-free and mm-hmm. um you know so I figured that well I might as well kind of incorporate mostly gluten-free into because it makes people feel so good um I, you know it's it's you know I'm all about helping people f- I want people to feel vibrant and healthy and mm-hmm. happy and so it just you know that there is a lot of scientific research to show different things about why it might be beneficial not to have gluten in your diet but um I know some people are fine with it but a lot of people are really are really good without it so yeah it's just something I happen to have done for myself and find mm-hmm. found that it works so um that's that's all really okay and I love spelt anything that I bake with spelt we pretty much avoid the white flour and then, you know, we just do spelt and it comes out amazing and anything with spelt. And uh, the other day I just tried to make even the, the Indian bread, uh, okay. you know, with, uh, the puffed up, you know, puris, what we call it. And, you know, the, the ones that you deep fry, I made them with uh, part whole wheat and part spelt and it just tasted amazing. And, it's just, you know, so different when you can try so many different things, right? And yeah. what other options? I know spelt is not gluten-free, but it's low gluten. Yeah. What about I think it's easier to digest, free? actually. Like, so, um, you know, I think I think the main culprit when it comes to people feeling not so good on gluten is actually wheat that has been really hybridized so I think there's a kind of there's a place in the middle where a lot of people feel really good spelt and like alternative like lower gluten grains so um you know I I I personally just I just love not eating gluten at all but I I, you know I think I'd probably be fine with spelt and things like that but I'm kind of on a roll Mm -hmm. so I So do you substitute with rice flour and uh, cassava and things like that? What do you normally, what's your go-to when it comes to gluten-free? Yeah, I do. I do. If I do baking, I do tend to use rice flour and cassava, which tapioca, um, which I think is, it's it's the same kind of thing. And I I I use a lot of like, I grind seeds into a meal and use them um, to make like seed loaves. And I, and I do, I use oats um, as well, Mm -hmm. which are, they're naturally gluten-free. So I, 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 I use them and I do love my potatoes. Um, so I, I feel I feel very very filled and very satisfied um, with what I eat. So is that what helps you bind and bring together all these gluten free elements? Because the gluten actually helps with all the binding. And so, do you go use your potatoes as more like a binding agent? 
Well, I, it, it's funny. What going gluten free made me develop a whole bunch of recipes from the ground up. So I didn't really have a frame of reference for it. Rather than doing what everyone else was doing, I just decided to make everything up. And um, I tend to use, like, so if I make, make a seed loaf, I'll grind the seeds or the nuts down into a meal. And then I'll use something like sweet potato which is cooked mm-hmm. or carrot and that's soft and moist so you find when you meld everything together it actually holds together to perfection and mm-hmm. when it comes to baking so if I'm using uh, flour um, like rice flour or chickpea flour then um, mm-hmm. I find that if it's just like it, it depends what ingredients you have together usually there's a binding agent sometimes I might use flax as a binding agent because that or chia but often mm-hmm. I just find like you know if it's sweet bananas um, mm-hmm. act as a binding agent so I think it's just about getting the balance right um, I think it is like I make a lot of raw food desserts, so I just bind stuff with dried fruit that have been soaked. And, yeah, there's all sorts of really fascinating ways that you can make things work that don't have eggs Mm -hmm. or don't have gluten, you know, that uh, it's really really fun and exciting and surprisingly easy, actually. Um, Oh, yeah. And very well said. You have pointed out so many options uh, when it comes to gluten-free and also with the binding agents and everything. And I think, you know, trying all these things helps one be creative. Obviously, they can use your books, your blogs, your resources as, um, you know, a re- as a go-to point for them to get started and, and be more creative. And as far as um, challenges with a gluten-free uh, eating, say, um, you said your own personal experience in 2015 made you go gluten-free and then that also helped you develop so much. But if we were to say as challenges, do you see a lot of people with gluten sensitivities coming to the retreats uh, and wanting gluten-free food? Is that also uh, major reasons why you are having to customize and provide for them? I do. Like, so if I didn't naturally do mostly gluten-free food, I always get asked by retreat leaders to do gluten-free food for at least some other guests. So within any group, there's always some people who are like either gluten intolerant or gluten sensitive. Um, and that I've noticed over the years that has become more and more prevalent. And, um, you know, and just the number of people that actually come up to me and say, oh, I, I, I eat gluten and I don't, I never, I feel bloated. It makes me hazy in the head. But and I always mm-hmm. feel so much better when I don't eat it, but I don't know how to give it up, you know. So I think it, it has become so much more prevalent over, over the years. And I think even if I, even if I wasn't a gluten-free specialist, I would definitely mm-hmm. be, being asked to have that I think it kind of makes it easier because I've developed a whole bunch of recipes that everyone can eat everyone can enjoy that just happen to be naturally gluten-free anyway Mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's awesome actually um I face challenges when I um have to go eat outside because I have inflammatory bowel disease and uh, there's only so much that I can handle and there's only so much that I can eat and I try to stay away from dairy. Gluten doesn't seem to bother me because I go for uh, the hand ground, stone ground, whole right. flour that I buy from the Indian grocery markets. And uh, so I think I have access to some good quality wheat that I don't really feel it, but then I tend to also mix it a lot with spelt and I avoid the processed white flour and things like that. Yeah, I think that just make a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's really um, interesting that you are able to resonate with people, address their needs, because I always wish every food place, you know, even like a quick eating place would understand what it means for any customer that walks in to see that 
oh, none of these fit my needs. And I have felt so many times and it's so hard for me. And then I would just tell them to, okay, take the cheese out, take this out. Right. Yeah. And then you feel really like, oh. (laughs) And it's almost like I'm eating nothing then practically and it doesn't fill me up. And the other misconception that I would like to address here is with vegan cooking, people think it's all raw and, you know, like you don't need anything to, you know, kind of fill you up and vegetables just don't fill you up. You just need something like, say, a chickpea protein or something made with chickpea flour, say like a, you know, um, like a mock omelet, if you will, with the vegetables and all of that. And things like that, you know, people can just get so uh, creative and come up with so many things on the menu. And, exactly. Uh, it's 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 a very common misconception that not everyone has. But sometimes when when I've heard people say, "Oh, I've gone vegan," and I've asked, and I, you know, I don't feel good, and I've gone, "What? Can you tell me what you're eating?" Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes, you know. Uh, there's a bit of a misconception you know if someone's just going to eat lettuce (laughs) um then you're not going to get enough calories so I think the key to eating a good vegan diet is to get a really good balance so you do need protein foods like you need um like your nuts your seeds your um lentils and beans Mm -hmm. chickpeas you need you need different things um from different elements and yeah you do need lots of fresh vegetables and fruits and um you know things like that but I, mm-hmm. I think and then you know I, it's inherently gluten-free and absolutely yeah and quinoa so you, um yeah, yeah if you can make rice and beans you know like someone can really you know have a satisfying meal and and mm. you know just throw in some vegetables and uh some fruit and you know it's like everything is in there and then make like even one of the raw vegan deserts or you know like we absolutely I just and saw on your Instagram yesterday the cacao, the coconut milk, and oh. then, you know, the <laughs> three ingredients. And how could you ever make it simpler than that, right? You know, so I know it's amazing how easy it can be. I think I specialize in making things really easy because in my early days um, of of making food on retreat I was juggling so many different balls that um you know I just I just wanted it to be super healthy filling tasty and easy and mm-hmm. I was also a, I was also a mum so I was a homeschooling mum as well so I kind you know I kind of like to simplify things um so you know that kind of just that meant that I realized I just started developing recipes that were really, really simple. And it's one of the most common things people say to me when they follow the recipes on my blog or they follow the recipes in my book or on my uh, cooking course that, wow, is that it? That was a lot simpler than than I thought and just because it looks good and sometimes things look like wow that must have took a lot of energy to make it but you know if I can make a vegan ice cream taste divine with three ingredients Uh then I'm gonna do then I'm gonna do that in fact I have a vegan ice cream with two ingredients um coconut milk and dates it, it those those ingredients dance together to perfection and um yeah this is the kind it makes me so excited actually because mm-hmm. it means people are going to try it people mm-hmm. are going to think it is so incredibly delicious and then they're going to want to come back to it again and again <laughs> yeah back in a moment with our guest on fresh leaf forever And right there, you you know, I think you have also addressed this aspect of how important it is for someone to be creative in their kitchen, right? You know, like, like you said, two ingredients, you made something with three ingredients and vegan ice cream, like cacao powder and dates and coconut milk and just coconut milk and dates and then throw in some vanilla extract or, you know, some pureed strawberries. And right there you have like different flavors as well, right? And then 
maybe bananas and peanut butter and and oh i um, <laughs> actually yes, yes, then no. it becomes it becomes like a match made in heaven and uh, you know i think it's just there's no limit to someone being creative and coming up with wonderful uh you know like recipes and uh, kudos to you for doing that and what about the group sizes that you normally take care of in such events and how do you tailor make your recipes to fit different group needs i mean we have already addressed the challenges you face the gluten free eating and so on and so forth but if you just were to again you know address it from the standpoint of your different group sizes and then how you tailor make it and because guest satisfaction is something so important right and so how do you do it all and achieve that okay well the group group sizes i might work with eight people um the biggest groups i work with are 40 people um mm-hmm. typically typically somewhere in the middle maybe 16 to 20 seems to be the, the typical such group mm-hmm. and i find that um 9 times out of 10 a retreat leader just kind of just has total confidence in what i'm doing and just says oh you just take care of all that so we don't have to think about it and i think um the the, the biggest things that i need to cater for with in a group situation are if they have if anyone has any allergies like i was saying before or mm-hmm. if they um usually groups have a very similar format and they want breakfast lunch and dinner and um usually that's just handed over to me because i know what works like if if i have a menu and it's really hot in the middle of summer i'll have a lot more salads a lot more you know a lot lighter foods for people and then in the winter i'll just develop menus that are you know more grounding and nurturing and filling in a sort of different sort of way but i think i i um i think what tends to happen is that because i'm i'm so used to finding recipes that nearly everybody will like mm-hmm. um so i tend just i tend to go with those and it's actually it's quite unusual that i get special requests really um because um i think the people who hire me just know that what i'm going to serve works i do tend to have variety so like if i do lunch when i do lunch i'll make a massive pot of nurturing soup Mm-hmm. and then i'll do a whole bunch of i'll do like different pates and dips i'll do different salads so there'll be lighter salads so be like say a chickpea salad or a rice salad or a potato salad and then a kind of a big beetroot and cauliflower sort of raw slaw type salad so there's mm-hmm. so i think i i tend to take care of like all the different requirements or different um preferences just by offering a lot of different variety really um and to be honest there's not usually a lot left over um there uh, sometimes I'm, i do make a lot of food so there's stuff left on the table but that, you know there's always a compost bin where people can scrape their scraps and most of the time that's empty because people just polish their plates off mm-hmm. which you know which is which is good so you know it just it does it does it just constantly reminds me um of the importance of making really good foods because um if you know people will people often say oh can you come home with me can i hire you as my own private chef and it's like and i think um you know people do like to be made food for but it kind of helps if people go home and kind of replicate it themselves um and and make it for themselves which a lot a lot of people actually do um a lot of people buy a book one of my books and they go home and i might and they'll start cooking food and then two years later i might see them again on another retreat and you know they it's not uncommon that someone say Oh, I first started eating vegan when I came on your retreat and I've 
been eating vegan ever since and I've been making all these recipes so it's 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 really really rewarding to Uh to kind of see what you know that 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 actually does make a difference I think if people have a really good experience eating good food um then they're much more likely to go home and want to try it for themselves and um you know and, and 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 these days as well like I do have a a, a website with lots of recipes on it and there's the books and now I started uh, putting online courses out as well so people there's kind of no excuse these days really there's there's all sorts of resources so that we can um learn how to make food for ourselves and it's surprisingly easy as well uh-huh, uh-huh. I you think you've emphasized that you know over and over <laughs> again and I'm glad you did cooking from the heart you're a big believer uh, in this why don't you emphasize how you feel in this space okay well i f- i f- when i first started cooking like i was saying earlier i was juggling lots of different balls and it, it i felt like it's really important that the energy i make the food with is calm and peaceful because uh-huh. i i i feel like when people eat food they also pick up the energy of the food of the person who made it i mean i oh, feel absolutely. that when i yeah right <laughs> and i felt like you know i want this food to be a gift so i you know i don't want to i, I want to pass on really good energy with that food so you know i made a, a commitment to myself that whenever i make food that i'm going to come from a place of presence a place of peace and calm and i'm going to come from the heart so that when people eat that food they can really taste and feel the energy of it Um I didn't say that to people. I didn't say, "Hey, this food is full of good energy." I kind of just wanted it to be just calming and, you know, have this clear energy. So for me, making food from the heart is like a moving meditation. Like uh-huh. not and not um in the traditional sense but i think meditation is just about being present and aware so it means that i kind of i sort like i dance from one ingredient to the other and i'm very intuitive so it's just the right amount will go in and it's why i'm a recipe developer as well because i mm-hmm. just seems mm-hmm. to kind of man- magically know how the ingredient wants to dance so you know coming from a heart it feels like it's such an important part of the cooking process you know we can we can bang a whole load of ingredients in a pot but when we do it with love it you know it it, it has a vibrancy and an energy to it that we kind of pass on to the people we share it with so um in when when i run workshops in person um and teach people how to make plant based food i'll get everyone to just close their eyes and connect with the food and connect with the ingredients and uh-huh. and see how that inspires them to make you know to make their dishes and i'll get people to arrange things in beautiful ways just to really connect with the whole the whole process and so yeah it's a big part of, of it for me personally yeah and uh bringing together the different colors right there i think is a first step in achieving um say like a delicious plate of food right so it's just a matter of you know like bringing the right ingredients together and enjoying it and if you were to say any other aspect or aspects from organizing other than organizing retreats that has helped you in embracing veganism what do you think you would say to that and why do you think that's important okay well the after after i'd been vegan for i had a few months six months or something i noticed that my health really started to change i i started to feel lighter i started to feel more vibrant so mm-hmm. quite very very early on in my vegan journey i i i realized that it was really good for my health and this was before anyone was talking about you know plant based is good for health and mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about that now and there's loads of research on that now but back then it was like there were nobody was talking about that it was 
kind for the animals that was and the planet and that was pretty much it so uh-huh. I was like wow this feels really really good so it became it became kind of contagious in that way as well so I had like different reasons that you know I, I, I was vegan and I became really strongly into health after that and I started meeting other people who went vegan for health reasons as their primary motivation and I you know I I started reading reading about food and health and I started joining all the dots in that way and that is I think that is one area that I'm really really passionate about about how it can make us shine how it can make us vibrant and I've had optimal health my whole adult life um you know, I never go to doctors. Um, I I think the only thing I've suffered from at times is like stress or anxiety, which kind of the mm-hmm. unbalances the system a little bit. But pretty much, other than that, I've had very, very, very good levels of health. Um, and 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 I've also met people who I I had a friend who um, had leukemia and healed it by eating a really healthy vegan diet. I oh. I know people who've um, healed chronic illness, like arthritis. I've met so many different people over the years who have turned around their health from very serious conditions just by eating a really healthy diet. Now, I've not had that experience myself because I've been vegan for so long. So I've just had been really healthy. But the amount of people that I've met... And that really inspires me, you know, it really inspires me. Absolutely. And that's wonderful to know. I'm just curious, Anastasia, what about the type of retreats that you run? Is it like yoga that you cater to or what type of people uh, or what type of retreats are those? Is it like, say, athletes or who is the target population here when it comes to the type of retreats or is it like a good mix of everything okay for me personally at the moment I tend to be hired to cater on spiritual retreats so it's 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 usually yoga Mm -hmm. um sometimes like it might be a spiritual writing retreat or it might be um someone who's doing trauma work like deep kind of conscious uh, kind of in a in a journey in a healing kind of work so that and that just that's just because they're the, the paths I've I've kind of stumbled upon on my journey um um yeah I, I I'm kind of I, I am very interested in um, health and and I, I'm increasingly meeting more people who have like elite level health mm-hmm. who embrace a, a vegan diet. So I kind of suspect that I'm going to kind of edge into that territory a little bit more um, in the in the coming years as well. Um, just because I'm really passionate about that, um, so it seems to be kind of opening up a little bit more to me. But retreats have been kind of not happening over the last year. So. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We, all, we all can only hope and wish things would change for the better very soon. So what is it that you would say to people that are skeptical about being vegan, uh, eating nutritious and staying healthy? Uh, say someone says, oh, is veganism the only way to be healthy? Or, you know, can say, for example, there's always this thought that, say, sports people, athletes need meat to, you know, just that level of protein to survive and be able to perform, right? So based on your experience and the people that you have come across, what is your message on that front? Well, I would say if someone's sporty and athletic, I would say watch Game Changers, the movie, Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how I know a lot of people who've watched that movie and oh, gone vegan. Ah, right. <laughs> yeah, I, a lot of people. I, I know people who watched it and then weren't eating enough, um, and it didn't quite work for them. But I know a whole bunch of people who've 
watched that movie and it's transformed them and who have been like quite athletic and really fit already and it's and going vegan has taken them to a whole new level so I think that movie really um that speaks volume so if anyone's like into athletic you know athletic or fit and and is concerned about not getting enough protein watch that movie you've got the world's strongest man on that movie who is a vegan Mm. and he is like he looks like you know he looks like the incredible hulk times 10 he's vegan so if he (laughs) if he can do it you know he's get he's getting enough protein um so and um you know, I think that actually, I think everyone should watch that movie. I watched that movie, and I'd been vegan for like you know years and years and years, and it kind of it just got me really excited all over again on a whole new level because it it showed me how far we've come in the last you know the last few the last couple of decades and oh, yeah. how much research is out there you know the proof is in the pudding you know these people who are like kind of elite level athletes who are not not just getting by on a vegan diet they are top of their field and thriving on a vegan diet so I think that I yeah I think that to be honest that would be my advice just watch that movie and um give it a try give it a try you don't I mean I'm not into pushing anyone I think everyone should do what they feel to do and mm-hmm, I feel like it, I think that's not the goal of this podcast either it's yeah. just that we are trying to uh clear some um what shall I say it's not even misconception uh clear some doubts if you will for people that are thinking oh should i just take that route but wondering oh how is it that i can be successful doing it mm. and, um, i think right. a well, conversation I- like this helps put out the message as to what options are available what people can go after and how they can just benefit themselves if they again only choose to go that route Absolutely. Yeah. And I now think that's wonderful because I think that um, if people eat a really healthy vegan diet and, um, you know, and have a good experience with it, I mean, I think that that kind of that's all people need to know, really. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I know so many people. I, I kind of lost count. Like my, my whole adult life, I've been <laughs> meeting people who've been thriving on a vegan diet. I also know people who eat a more junky vegan diet as well. So I would advocate eating, make sure you eat healthy food. There's a lot of junky vegan food out there. So if, if someone's just going to eat, you know, high sugar junky food then they're probably not going to feel as good but if you eat a more whole food healthy vegan diet then mm-hmm. it kind of speaks for itself really I, d- I oh, don't absolutely. know many absolutely I don't I don't know anyone who's eaten a, a plant-based diet in a good way that's not really really felt vibrant off it I know people that eat it and then kind of maybe uh, then they're eating quite a bit of junk or they're not, you know, they're not getting enough calories, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if you just eat vegetables. Vegetables are awesome and we need vegetables, but we also need to eat more dense things as well with calories, which, you know, fat, healthy fats and uh, protein foods, which come in abundance in the vegan diet. Absolutely. And your spiritual connection, your connection to Mother Earth, how has it improved your well-being, staying in tune with nature and your emphasis on compassion? Would you categorize that as the most differentiating aspect in you and why people come to you for I I actually don't know. I I don't know why people come to me. I think I send out a vibe, a vibe, and people who resonate with that come to me. Um, I certainly do have a very strong and natural emphasis emphasis on compassion because it's just it kind of just it just ripples out of me. I just I just can't I just can't um I just can't help that. So I think that um I think some people come to me 
because if they come to me to hire me as a chef, it's one thing. But if they come to me to learn how to make vegan food, it's usually because they've tasted the food and it tastes good and it's easy to make. So uh-huh. they're kind of like, yeah, that that's that's what we want. We want easy to make food. We want it to taste good and we want it to feel full. We want to feel full. Um, I think, you know, if people resonate with my energy, that I think that kind of helps as well. Um, you know, and I do, I encourage people just to play and explore. And I, I, I don't believe there's any such thing as a mistake. So, you know, if people are a little bit afraid in the kitchen and make a mistake so I just say just embrace it just have fun you know we can turn that into something else if it kind oh, of goes <laughs> and what about your books and your online course why don't we have you talk about that and you also have like a health benefits section on your website you even say how one can get rid of jet lag and what to do and what not oh. <laughs> Uh, why don't we just tell listeners, like, say, give them an overall picture of everything, your books, your online course and your website? Okay, well, I've written four recipe books um, over the years, and I have two of them in print. Um, one of them I've, I've taken out of print now, and I'm going to republish it at, at some point down the line. But I have two in print, and mm-hmm. I have I have um, a couple of ebooks as well. And um, you know, they are just they're jam packed with delicious, easy plant-based recipes um, that are mostly gluten-free as well, very allergy-friendly, vibrant, with an emphasis on how you could feel good. Um, there's a, there is an energy of compassion woven in those books as well because I've got mm-hmm. some in- inspiring quotes, you know, and vibrant photos. Um, but my, my, my baby at the moment is that I've – I've started developing a vegan cooking series of online courses um, because I just want to take people through the process and really make it easy for everyone just to learn how to make vegan food in their own kitchen at home. So I've got, um, I've published my first course, which is vegan main meals. Um, Mm -hmm. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to, publish the the salad course and then I've got the divine dessert course coming so within a few months I'm going to have a whole complete series I've been working on for a while um, it's a bit of a mammoth undertaking because I'm going to lot of detail step by mm-hmm. step every recipe that I'm going to take people through has a video with it and then I have printouts I have little challenges you know so to, to encourage creativity as well so to see if people if people want to make their own version of these dishes if people want to arrange things in a beautiful way and take photos and you know just to get people to engage and connect Mm -hmm. it's a community there's a community with a forum and I'm available and I love connecting with people I get really excited about foods and I'm always happy to ask any questions and um, I, I basically want people to you know be inspired by vegan food it's my thing so um that's that's my big focus at the moment uh well a lot of my energy is going is into development of those um online courses um, oh fantastic yeah. fantastic <laughs> and what about seasonal eating and cooking and its importance um, I think when we tune into nature, you know, nature speaks. Nature gives us what we need at certain times of year. It gives us a huge variety of different different choices. Um, I I person because I've travelled quite a bit with my cooking. I kind of, it's sometimes a little bit difficult. And my 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 mum lives in Hawaii as well, so I sometimes oh, get nice. thrown off. <laughs> get thrown off with the whole seasonal thing because what's seasonal in Wales where I live in the UK is very different to you know mangoes 
uh, in Hawaii. So, so um, I, I'm a big fan of seasonal eating, growing your own where possible, foraging even. Um, you know, Mother Nature knows best. She knows what she knows what we need. So um, I do. I do incorporate seasonal food wherever possible. It excites me, actually. It gives me more inspiration to make new things with. Something different. Yeah, especially in that fallow period in winter. I get quite excited about making something exciting out of something that's normally quite boring. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sure. And as a traveler, you have traveled so much too. So how do you think overall the scenario is globally? when it comes to clean eating and do you think people realize uh, food can be a healer and we are what we eat? Well, when it comes to traveling internationally, there's been a huge, um, there's been a huge shift um, over the years, especially over the last five to 10 years. Um, So it's really easy to get decent vegan foods um i kind of resort to fruit if necessary (laughs) that you can get fruit anywhere you can get simple foods anywhere Uh but you know you can you can eat out there's actually an app i have called happy cow i had that app right right many many years ago and you can actually find uh you can find loads of little hidden gems of places to be all over the world um is that your own app or is it something that you use? No, Happy Cow is, um, they, they, I think they're the original developers of, um, of, of an app so that people could find places to be all over the world. Mm. Um, I think it's the, I, I think it's the biggest and best app. It, it, it was out there before anyone else. And I've been using that as long as I can remember. Actually, I used it before apps were a thing when it just used to be a website. Um, when you okay. just had to go on the website. Okay. And, yeah. Do you think uh, people realize that food can be a healer and we are what we eat? And, how do you think overall the global scenario is when it comes to clean eating? Um, because there can be vegan junk eating. There can be junk eating in anything. Well, I think, it, you know, I've met, I've met a whole bunch of different people in different places. And it really depends uh, who you connect with. I, I know a lot of people who are really drawing in the dots and realize that what we eat is really important for health, really important for our spiritual connection. Um, and, you know, and, and I've seen that all, all around the world, to be honest. And then I've seen the complete opposite that, um, as well, where a lot of people still just I think food can be addictive especially junky food so unfortunately I think there's still you know there's a kind of a bit of a you know there's two things going on and I think the more and more people that can uh, radiate from eating healthy food I think the more and more inspires people who aren't eating as healthy or joining the dots I think that speaks like what above all else I think if you can eat a really healthy plant-based diet and just radiate that out without saying a word I found that people just get curious and they go oh Mm -hmm. there's something about you what what is it about you and you know you don't even have to say a lot because people's I found like people just ask questions people want to know especially if you don't if you don't tell them I tend not to say anything I just let people come to me and ask and um yeah and I I I really put that down to the fact that I just walk my talk I just make foods I just you know I'm naturally healthy so people go oh there's something there's something going on there what is it and I was like oh Uh it's the plants (laughs) yeah yeah so right there you know you become an ambassador of whatever messaging you want to put out and as far as meditation calming effects and the mind-body connection how have you felt about it um, I I'm a I'm a big fan of everyday meditation. So when I wash my dishes, that becomes a bit of a meditation. When I make my food, that mm. becomes a meditation for me. I'm less 
I'm less inclined to do formal meditation where I sit on a on a cushion. I think that's awesome, and I do sometimes do that as well because um, I just I really love the centeredness and balance. But I, I guess I'm a busy person, so I just try and incorporate that into every you know everyday so life. So being really. mindful and being in the present that itself is the biggest path to success. Yeah. Okay, excellent uh, conversation, yes. Anastasia, and your future plans. And you talked about the near term, near term plans as far as the online courses. Anything you want to add as far as future plans and about your website and where people can find you and all of that? Okay, well, I'm gonna continue. I'm creating the online courses so that's going to be my focus for the for the near future I can't really see past that at the moment I'm going to keep doing my retreats um and I I'm yeah I'm you can find me on on my website kindearth.net and you can find me on social media we can leave the links if anyone wants to connect with me Mm -hmm. or if anyone wants to check out my course as well I I love engaging and interacting with that so we can leave some links but my website is kindearth.net and um yeah I'd love to I'd love to see some people over there Anastasia Eden uh such a wonderful conversation and we look forward to checking back with you wish you the very best in all that you do And thanks for taking the time to chat with me and enlighten my listeners here on the podcast freshly forever. And as always, uh, I'd like to remind my uh, listeners to follow the podcast. Enjoy it week after week on Tuesdays. The Instagram for the podcast is at Freshly Forever and the Twitter is at Freshly Forever One. Send me your feedback there. And as always, read the podcast and follow it week after week for more and more interesting topics. And follow me personally at YP Kumar on Instagram. That's V-A-I-P like Paul K-U-M-A-R for all things digital media and lifestyle topics. See you again with another interesting guest and another interesting topic next week. Until then. It's why saying so long, along with Anastasia here. Thank you.